0: Thank you guys so much for listening to Honey and Hustle. We are a visual podcast that features conversations with small business owners, creative entrepreneurs, and those in the nonprofit community. We're so glad that we started sharing our podcast here on Anchor FM. And if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And it will distribute the podcast for you, so it can be heard on all the major platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. If you're listening to this right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thank you to Blackology Coffee Company for sponsoring this video. Take 10% off your next order at Blackology Coffee Company by using the link at the description www.blackologycoffeecompany.com/angela So as the founder of Just Choose Love, you um started doing this work previous to the nonprofit with another nonprofit that you are working with kind of exclusively and things like that. So can you tell me a little bit about how Just Choose Love came to be?
1: Yeah, Just Choose Love came about when I created the Love Summit Business and Leadership Conference. So I created the Love Summit Business and Leadership Conference through a nonprofit organization called Dream Change back in 2015. At the time, I was the executive director of that nonprofit organization. I created this business and leadership conference because we were trying to get to the root cause of so many of the systemic issues that we face today. Uh, and how business plays a role in contributing to those systemic issues. And I found that basically in my going to a lot of business conferences and conferences centered on the idea of creating more sustainable businesses, that they seem to be missing the underlying key to creating long-term sustainability in business. And uh, for me, I saw that as there being a lack of love in the business world. And so I wanted to bring more light to the idea of love to business leaders and also to government leaders because these are the leaders that are affecting people on a very large scale, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I created the Loves a Business and Leadership Conference which is a conference that brings together business leaders, uh, government leaders and civil society to discuss the role and impact of love in our societal systems and how we can use love as a social ethic to drive positive systemic change. And it was at the first Love Summit, which was held at Wieden & Kennedy Advertising Agency in Portland, Oregon at their headquarters there that I came up with the slogan, Just Choose Love. And the reason why that came about was because Wieden & Kennedy Advertising Agency is one of the largest privately owned advertising agencies in the world. And they're most well known for coming up with Nike's slogan, Just Do It. And it was being in that environment of Wyden and Kennedy, and also working with Dan Wyden, who is the co-founder of Wyden and Kennedy, and the guy that personally came up with the slogan "Just Do It" for Nike, that that kind of "Just Do It" was in my head so much during that time. Dan Wyden also spoke at the Love Summit and co-hosted it with us, and gave a really powerful talk about his his journey in business and the trajectory of Wyden and Kennedy, and how so much of their work is based in this concept of love and that can be found on uh, the Love Summit YouTube channel. But in any case, uh, basically just hearing that slogan over and over again, just do it. I just, uh, I guess Just Choose Love just popped into my head and I was like, yeah, Just Choose Love, I like it. It kind of rings a bell. And so yeah, that's, that's how the idea for Just Choose Love started. And for a long time, it was just actually my personal Instagram handle that I was using and then when I left Dream Change I resigned from my position there at in 2018 and I needed to they transferred the IP of the Love Summit to me so I could continue the event and I needed a place for Love Summit to live under and at the time I wasn't sure what I wanted what kind of business I wanted to start and put Love Summit under whether I wanted it to be a nonprofit or a for-profit or what but I had this concept of Just Choose Love being more like a movement uh, just to mobilize people around this this idea and so the domain happened to be available for justchooselove.com and so I just took that out and then I put the Love Summit under there and now it's grown into this movement and this cause and uh, yeah that's a long-winded way of how Just Choose Love came about.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. That's great. Um, So one thing I will say, too, when people are thinking about nonprofits, nonprofits can also be considered movement-based organizations, right? So not necessarily just a cause, um, like maybe fundraising for Alzheimer's disease, a cure for Alzheimer's disease, but a movement, like you said, to create long-lasting change in a particular area, specifically systemic change that you're talking about. Um, And one thing that I think a lot of business owners are thinking about now is how they can one continue to recruit diverse people um, include more diverse audiences and voices in their decision making process but also provide an environment where they feel safe um and um i don't know the right way say it. included isn't the right word but just like where they can thrive right An mm-hmm. environment that is meant to be welcoming and inclusive and um successful for different types of people right and this also like is mirrored in life. When you have access to workplace protections, when you have access to um, jobs that are conducive with your skill set and pay, things like that, like life tends to look a little bit better than when you're overworked and underpaid or in an environment that is toxic or unhealthy for you, um, regardless of the reason. So what are some of the ways that you, one, have said like, yes, this summit is powerful and is necessary and is needed for business leaders and for municipalities legislators representatives but like how can we continue this work outside of the workshop
1: i angela i love everything that you said about inclusivity uh that's a huge part of business right now and or rather it's a hot topic in business how can we be more inclusive and i think something that we need to look at is not only how can we be more inclusive with race and gender but also how can we include the permission for people to feel their emotions and what they're going through as an individual within the workplace and how people can be inclusive in the sense of expressing their emotions in the workplace and right now i or i actually just finished this book today called permission to feel by dr mark Brackett, and he's the uh, head of the Center for Emotional Intelligence at Yale. And in the end of that book, basically, he goes through a variety of different reasons and ways. That our, our emotions are important. Um, social emotional intelligence is important, and how it's so important for children in school from the time that they're they're young and growing up, that they're ta- taught these emotional skills, um, how to understand their emotions, emotional regulate, how to regulate their emotions, emotional regulation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Then he goes through. Um, personal relationships and emotions within personal relationships and then at the end of the book he talks about emotions in the workplace and the significance of those and specifically about the significance of love in the workplace so um, the way that i am currently continuing the work of the love summit outside of the event itself i'll i'll get to the point that i was going to make about permission to feel and uh, dr brackets Uh, studies and work around love in the workplace and emotions in the workplace. But to answer your question more directly before I get to that, the Love Summit, I've done two of those events. We did two of those events under Dream Change. The first one in uh, 2015 at Wieden & Kennedy Advertising Agency and then the second one in 2017 at uh, LPK Brand Design Agency in Cincinnati, Ohio. Both summits were at the headquarters of those companies and What we taught at those love summits was we basically would bring in business leaders and government leaders to show different ways uh, in which love is applied to their workplaces or how they've experienced love or not experienced love throughout the trajectory of their career as government officials or uh, as heads of Fortune 500 companies or smaller businesses. And each speaker gives different recommendations on how we can practice love based on their own experience and what they have in their toolkits. So there are so many different ways that love can be applied outside of the conference, but what we really promote at the Love Summit is for the individual to not look at the situation of love as a black and white um, thing, but as something that is going to be, we're going to apply love differently depending on the nature of our life, where we work, our home environment, et cetera, et cetera. But it really starts with awareness of the individual and kind of a balance between individual growth and self-growth and self-development and also having systems in place, societal systems, government systems, um, business system, business is a system, that support people in their process of self-knowledge, education, self-actualization, self-growth. And right now, I think what we're seeing in society is so much that, there are only a certain amount of people that are really privileged enough to pursue their self-actualization, self-knowledge, self-growth. There aren't the systems in place to support everybody to do that. There are huge um, economic factors that play a role in keeping people um, kind of inhibiting them from pursuing these, these practices. So the reason why this is such a long-winded explanation is, or answers, because there really isn't one way. Um, there are just there are many different ways. So we encourage the people that come to the conference to look at their own life, their abilities. Where do they hold power? Where do they hold the ability to bring more love into whether it's their workplace. Or their home with their family members and in their family life, um, or if they're a teacher at school, they can practice, you know, being um, in school and in class, teaching love to their students in different ways and this doesn't have to be something that's applied to the curriculum per se although that would be ideal and that's what dr Brackett talks about too in the book permission to feel about how we should have education systems that have curriculums that are rooted in this concept of emotion and understanding different emotions including love being one of them although love is not just an emotion it's also an action Um, but uh yeah it's i also the last Part, well, two last parts um, of this answer I'll say I went back to the Love Summit and I outlined the first one and the second one because, as you probably noticed, the last one we did was a few years ago. And mm-hmm. since leaving Dream Change and doing that last Love Summit, I've been in a process of making some shifts in my life and my career. I went back to school to get a graduate degree in um, global prosperity and to do research on love as a social ethic. And so I've the love summits kind of been on hold at this point and what my intention is with the future love summits is that they are much more pragmatic and helping people to have very specific ways depending on their social cultural background and where they work or what their life is like that they can apply these principles of love to their lives or their workplaces. So. There's that, and um, yeah, we just, I mean, to that point of love in the workplace being so impactful and so important, that's what Dr. Brackett says in this book, Permission to Feel, that uh, there are studies done on this. There's a study called, that is entitled, what, What's Love Got to Do With It? And they did a study about companionate love in the workplace, which is love in the sense of uh, employees and customers feeling a sense of affection and care and belonging and like they matter. And in this study, what it shows is that with employees, when they feel like they are cared for, when they feel affection, like they matter, like they belong, like they have purpose in the company, they are more productive, they are happier, they have less, they take uh, less sick days. The list goes on and on. But we know that this is a very, love is a very powerful force that can be applied to the workplace. So,
0: and I've been victim to this and I've called myself out about this and I want to continue to like, raise awareness about this being a business is not just like showing up providing a service saying please and thank you and then people giving you money if it was that easy everybody would do it you know what I mean okay. business nonprofit for-profit doesn't matter um and what you're talking about number one is what would be a best practice I would say for a business is So one, start from the get-go, like start, how can I create an environment, not only for my customers and my clients, but for people that I work with, people that work with for me, with me, whatever you wanna call it, create an environment where they feel welcome, where they feel loved, where they feel valued, where they feel like their talents and their expertise are being applied to their purpose here in this work, right? So like from the jump, creating this environment that is inclusive and welcoming and purposeful. But then on the back end too, You know, you are also realizing that by and large, for the most part, you may be working with a lot of adults who have not had the advantage or the privilege to have emotional intelligence training, who have gone through this type of work internally, who are familiar with their emotions and how to express themselves and their needs and their wants and how they can be made to feel comfortable. So like having an ask from an employee or a worker standpoint is also very important, too. You're giving people one painting the picture of what love can look like from a business owner, or business leader perspective, but also from the worker standpoint, like what is it that I need that, to make me feel welcome and to feel as though I have agency in this position and can do my best work in, a, in an environment where I can succeed and grow and contribute meaningfully. Um, and so like what I, and I know this is probably a long to answer too, and I'm totally fine with that. I think it's mm-hmm. necessary. I think it's necessary that we have this conversation, but like what do you think are some ways that we can continue to provide agency for people regardless of their socioeconomic status regardless of their cultural background um geographic location what are some ways that we can continue to um help business owners that are just starting out or business owners that are growing and scaling to think really meaningfully and passionately about how they can create environment of love within their workplace.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. That is the key question. (laughs) And for me personally, what I feel is really impactful is people like us who do come from more privileged backgrounds. And I'll just say, like, I don't come from super high privileged background, but I'm still privileged in the sense that I have my iPhone out right now. I'm sitting here on you know, this Zoom call with you. I have the flexibility in my schedule to not have right now um, a nine to five job where I'm working constantly, constantly, and don't even have time to think about uh, making the world a better place and making business better. Um, I don't worry about Sometimes I worry about having my basic needs met, but not in a way like a serious way like a lot of other people do. And so I think it's up to us, people like me, who I'm not even enormously privileged, but I'm privileged enough to be able to reach out to and notice the people who come from less privilege than me and really include them. Going back to this idea of inclusiveness, it's not just the job of employers and CEOs or people in the C-suite of major companies to include these people it's also up to us and perhaps more than anything up to us and our responsibility to take responsibility for our fellow woman and man and to have their back and watch out for them and to make sure they're taken care of and to stand up for their rights and their ability to also self-actualize and pursue their their happiness and their personal growth. So what are some things that we can do or I can do as an individual. What I could do today is if there's a corporation out there or could even be a medium-sized or small business that I see is not providing uh, personal growth and personal development for their employees, or there's a lot of inequality in the workplace, or they're producing products that I think are damaging the environment. it's I can call that company. I can send them an email. I can say, what you're doing is not okay. You need to make these changes. Mm-hmm. And it's when there is a mass of people it only takes a small mass of people collection of people to take these small actions that's not a big action right like if i did that every day for one company that i, I felt was not doing enough for their employees or for the planet if i took that one small action every day and everyone else 10 of my i asked 10 of my friends to do that 10 of my colleagues together that effect will be huge. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that we can do as individuals. And then on the other hand, definitely these employers, especially of bigger corporations who are impacting and affecting people on such a large scale, it is their responsibility too, but it's up to us to demand that they take that responsibility. And then they have to have the courage also to expand their awareness, to take risks. You know, a lot of, a lot of big corporations or people in C suites—not all. There are some great corporations out there these days, and this is this kind of discussion is becoming much more commonplace and accepted. But historically, we've thought that emotions in the workplace or love in the workplace is not a positive thing, and employers would say, "No, I don't want my my employees to be emotional." Um, you know, women get a bad rap for being too emotional too, and um, I mean, that's another conversation on kind of like feminism and and men and women and patriarchy. Um, (laughs) But in any case, uh, the point is, is that we're starting to move away from this idea of emotions being a bad thing in the workplace to them being more acceptable. But there are still business people out there that say, no, leave that stuff at home. Don't bring it to work. And there couldn't be anything more harmful for people that kind of mentality it's really harmful and something that i really want to underline being underline as being so important when it comes to love angela is that we at uh, most people tend to view love only as an emotion and i know i've been talking about emotions and i've been talking about love as it relates to emotions but love is not only emotion and and emotion. It's a verb and an action, as I mentioned earlier. So my research that I've done on love as a social ethic was based on an African-American cultural critic and feminist theorist. Her work on the love ethic, her name is Bell Hooks. And she has this theory of uh, the love ethic, which basically says that in order to move out of systems of domination and patriarchy and oppression, that we have to move away from our cultural value of domination to a cultural value of love. And she highlights just like her counterparts, like Martin Luther King Jr. or Paulo Freire or other scholars, Eric Fromm that talked about this concept of love um, and the art of loving, they all highlight love as being an action more than anything. And so when it comes to business leaders and getting them to change their actions, they have to have the courage to take the action to love. And that is, one of the hardest things in the world for people to do is to have the courage to to love, because love has been misconstrued as this mushy, gushy, fluffy, sentimental feeling or emotion, and something that's all flowers and daisies. When it's actually not, love is really hard, and that's why we so often choose fear over love, because it's easier to fall into patterns of fear than to choose love. But the primary principle. Principles of love, as stated in Bell Hook's theory of the love ethic, are not principles like, I mean, care and affection are a couple of the principles, and those are pretty obvious when it comes to love. But they're also really difficult principles to employ all the time, like responsibility, commitment, the will to cooperate, trust accountability. You know, these things, when we hold ourselves accountable, when we're truly responsible for our actions, when we're truly willing to cooperate, doing all of those things, it is not an easy feat. We all know as individuals, it's not always easy to take responsibility for our own actions. Um, It's not always easy to hold ourselves accountable. So it takes a lot of work to do that. And we have to, business leaders and us as individuals need to have the courage to to just see that through and to try to take the leap to love and to employ love more. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, Where I'm from, we have a saying, we say that love is what it does, right? So like Mm. going into what you're saying is love is an action. I definitely identify with that a lot. And I guess I wanted to, in this last question, just dive a little bit deeper into that as a concept. I think right now we are seeing in America, which is a highly individualistic society and cultural um, landscape, we are seeing this like broad and sometimes detrimentally extreme concept of collectiveness being employed right now on a massive scale. Um, And so like collectiveness in the sense that I'm doing this because it benefits me, not necessarily because I feel like it is for the greater good of the community. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is in my opinion, the wrong way to think about it, because you really need to, I think love is at its best when we are doing things from the heart and we are doing things that are selfless. And I think that's really hard to translate to a creative business owner in some ways, because it's like, just because I love this doesn't mean I want to do it for free, right? I still need to have mm-hmm. my bills paid. If I could have my bills paid and do what I love all the time, of course, I would give myself to that willingly and freely and wholly, but I can't let the business go under, right? um so when you're thinking about employing love in the workplace like there are also this element of boundaries and responsibility and accountability like you're saying like yes we need these things yes we need to commit to um owning up to these things and taking ownership of love and how we are employing that or not employing that in the workplace um, and that looks really hard because that also looks like Taking responsibility when things don't go well in the workplace, whether or not it's directly your fault or not, as a worker, as a mm-hmm. business leader, as an owner, as a founder, whatever, and also accountability. Like, what does that look like? I think now people are realizing too, accountability looks sometimes looks like complicitness, it sometimes looks mm-hmm. like um, not really um, taking ownership of your role in something that maybe you allow to happen. Um, by your inaction or action um along the way and so like that's a really i think coming to the forefront now in a lot of conversations it's like well you know as a business owner i'm not dumping oil into the river but i'm also not saying that other companies shouldn't you know what i'm saying i'm also mm-hmm. not holding this standard um of business to like this level out of public in a public realm right so like I guess my question is to you is like, what are some of the things that you have seen at the Love Summit and just in general through your research um, about one combating, I guess, like as you referenced, moving from um, our value value of domination to um, increasing our value of love. Um, How have you seen that um, really take place like um, in terms of maybe and like in a way that we can apply that to business owners right now? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, there are a lot of companies out there that are beginning to take risks to employ love more. I think a lot of companies are afraid to do this because they think it's going to impact their bottom line in a negative way. But what we need to remember or move away from rather is that, you know, there's this concept or this idea that we've so historically kind of been has been ingrained in us that if we give away a piece of our pie to someone else there's going to be left less for us but the reality is is that yes you're giving away a piece of your pie but you're feeding and nourishing another person and that is in turn good for everybody helping someone else helps you and with business we're going to see you know we're we're playing around with different business models now there's um, something called benefit corporations and b corporations which i'm sure you've heard of and Uh, You can look those up. And then um, Firms of Endearment is the book that I recommend that talks about a lot of different companies out there that are either B corporations or employing different kinds of practices related to love that have actually benefited their companies long-term. Um, I think that Whole Foods may be one of those. I don't know what the status is with them now, now that they are uh, owned by Amazon. <laughs> That's probably not a good example. But Patagonia, for instance, is another one. I think Ikea might be one of them. There are a lot of them out there. So I think looking into those is um, will be helpful for people to see what's possible when it does come to the shift that we need to make um, and how business leaders could be held more accountable. B corporations. I don't, I'm not a professional um, or proficient at understanding exactly all the ins and outs of B-corporations, but I know that there are different uh, policies in place as B-corporations that you have to meet, that the stakeholders have to meet, that the CEOs, the people in the C-suite have to meet, that where they're not negatively impacting the environment and, and different things like that, and they are held accountable and they have to meet these different quotas, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that's something to look into. That's one kind of uh, source or uh, way to create accountability in the corporate world. Also, I really believe that there needs to be more legislation employed that holds corporations accountable for their actions. and there are different laws and things in place that are coming into play there. Um, and then we can look at things like the Green New Deal that are also coming into play that are interesting. You know, we're in this, we're in a, we're living in revolutionary times and a time of transition and things are changing and we're experimenting with different business models and what makes sense and different legislation. and. There's push and pull because people don't want to let go of the past and they're afraid to move forward. But it's really that principle of trust that Bell Hooks talks about in her theory of the love ethic. We have to have the courage to trust that and realize that the old way has not been working. We need to move into different ways of being and doing. And we have to trust that trying different new ways of doing things is gonna be scary at times and we're gonna run into roadblocks and things aren't gonna work out, some things will work out. It's not gonna be a perfect process, but it's just trusting that process and having the courage to try new things that are helpful um, for people and realizing that in the long run it's going to be helpful for business and all of community. Yeah,
0: yeah, I agree. I agree for sure, I think like, Like you said, because of the pandemic, whether people love it or hate it, like it put us in a pressure cooker situation. So everything that is great about society came out and everything that was not so great about society and business came out. And we're seeing that, you know, we're at a crossroads or a fork in the road where it's like either we're gonna make a hairpin turn and start to recognize and analyze and wade through the waters together, moving forward into a society that works for most of everybody rather than just a privileged few or we're gonna to continue to see these problems reiterate themselves and go to extremes that are not good for anybody on a collective level. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent. Yeah, and B Corp, if anybody's watching this and is looking into it, B Corp, you do have to pay to be a B Corp, but it's worth the investment and, well, let me not say that, I don't know what your budget is, but like, if you're looking to have some sort of accountability and just, um, yeah, show your commitment to the environment and sustainable business practices definitely check that out for sure so yeah samantha thank you so much for joining me today all the way from texas Um, (laughs) i really appreciate you sharing more about just choose love and your philosophy on love as an ethic for systemic change i think that's amazing that we are in a place where business leaders can begin and continue to have these conversations on a massive scale so Mm
1: Well, thank you for having me and thank you for the great work you're doing and for creating this platform for people like me to share. I appreciate it. Thank you.